It's Gentleman Jack. Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth-century groveling, groveling, groveling. Good lord! Hey guys, we're back. So this is a return from a, a, a whiskey intermission number. Whiskey mission. I don't know. Right, whiskey bourbon intermission. Right. I'm a mess already. We just we don't have a word for it yet. From our third one, because we had one at the end of the first, and we had one at the end of the second, one at the end of the third. I mean, booze has changed, right. but now we are at part four. Who would have thunk <laughs> that this episode Ooh. would be so weighted, so heavy, so us? We'd have thought. We, yes. we thought. We knew. We've sh- been warning you yeah. for weeks in advance that it was going to be like this. And yeah. So welcome to the official start of part four of our recap of episode seven of Gentleman Jack. Why have you brought that? It's, uh, this is a lot. <laughs> it's hey. a lot. Hey. Hey. I, I, I can imagine. I'm, I'm afraid. I partly want to go back just to see what the reaction was like in real time with this episode because oh do you mean like online and stuff yes so i'm gonna be doing i don't even know what that is archive stuff yeah whatever you find show me because i wasn't we were still fully embroiled in killing eve aftermath because they were on at the same time and so i don't really know what that was but i can just imagine i mean as we have experienced and me for the i don't know umpteenth time that it just a lot is brought up with this episode and it's a lot to digest and it's also fucking sad and tragic in a lot of ways so i would assume that a great deal a large part of the fandom was intensely affected by this episode and just in the overall dofels a little yeah. bit well you know what before we get into this i would like to get into some good news and well it's good news for me. It's, I just, yeah, I already told you what this was. And I'm not going to put the whole thing on blast because I don't know if she wants me to put it on blast. So I'm just going to hint at the fact that someone, you know, who, <laughs> sorry guys, one of our listeners who engages all the time sent a very lovely, lovely, long email that essentially was like, hey girl, um, I really like that um, that that shirt you have on the website. Yeah, show me an artisan. Uh-huh. I'm trying to be a show me an artisan, uh-huh. and well, it all it all started too from the tweet I sent a couple of days ago, where I was retweeting Ann Choma, who was like just had these beautiful pictures of Halifax and what's going on over there, the holidays, and expressing the sentiment like, who wouldn't want to live here? Like, which one of you fans are thinking about living here? And while I think it would be super cool, it is also impossible for the way my life structure is, for my furries and my mother, who would just be like, we can't not be on the same continent. So that's not possible. But what would be possible, what I would love to do, is just to get a piece of land and build a shomiao. And I hashtagged it, Love Shack Timeshare. I mean, <laughs> that was a wonderful, hey. wonderful sh- a tag. So yes, someone reached out and was like, hey, Candace, I know you're obsessed with details and you like to build things. I'm wondering, like, can you like lend <laughs> thoughts, ideas, research <laughs> to like the show yeah. And you guys don't even understand the level of excitement and exuberance I feel. I We just literally got this email 
maybe like an hour. I've only seen it an hour or so before we started recording this thing. And I, I'm just, it's on my mind. The obsession has already started. I've not written you back yet, <laughs> but you will see that, okay, this bitch, uh, was I ready? No, no, because I am so excited. I want to help do all the research and all the things and build all the things. And I, I even had this idea in my mind where I was like, how many, because you know how, have you ever seen that? Um, It's like a show. I don't know if it's still on, but it was a show on HGTV. And the only things I ever watch on there are like building stuff. Or when I they're just, like flipping <laughs> property or whatever. Or just or... like re redoing things. And they had a show where it was all about tree houses. So I don't know if it's still available, but you, these dudes built tree houses, but really incredible, like luxury, like, wow, what the fuck? This is right. a whole house in a tree and house. In a tree house. I... And so that stuff interests me as well as the um, the mobile homes and things because I've, I've done some experimentations on that for when it comes to going to places like Burning Man and you're like, I kind of need to live in this vehicle for a while. And so just building and crafting, like I've said before, I it's it's a place where I will always feel at home and I just like to know things about what can be built. And so I already know how to build a log cabin because I feel like that was a skill I should have in case the apocalypse goes down. And so I feel like the next step is a she shit. It's a show meow. Um, so... <laughs> Well, anyone who's been browsing the Show Me a Merch knows that if you built it, she will come and come. Mm -hmm. And oh, I'm sorry. Look, it's late, oh, you guys. God. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> I am so sick of you because Terrence is out here doing that Ann Lister finger thing that she does on the glass. Listen, like, I can't. I'm trying that's not a to. double entendre, Ann Lister. Like, it feels like. You're trying to say two things with <laughs> what you're doing that you're thinking, but also what are you thinking? It's the and jaunty drink is what it is. I'm just going to. Yeah, I asked you earlier what you wanted and you were like, oh, this vitamin water is fine, you know. <laughs> and with the way he said it, I was like, oh, Candace, learn the lesson, bitch. You know, he's been sipping on the booze for hours. Don't play yourself. So I don't even know if I was coherent enough to say that I'm just saying someone's like Candace, like research, like building a show mirror. Like, what about that? Yeah, bitch, that is one of the jauntiest things I've heard this week. And I'm super excited. And so I think me mentioning the show, the point of the show was that if someone gave me a show and they were like, Candace, we're going to send you across the country so you can help women build their she sheds, their chaumiers, I would have the jauntiest time. Oh, I would. I would watch that. And if someone eventually does it, bitches, y'all know where you heard it first. Okay? Right here. So, you know, she sheds, talk of she sheds and chaumiers and grubbles and all those types of things, which, oh my God. <laughs> Remember what I was thinking earlier? <laughs> because Foxfire dropped into my mind and you had never seen right. it. Right. And then I, the trailer came and like Luscious Jackson was on the soundtrack, but um, she was in the, the, the market or whatever. And she was... Um... She was singing some, like, original song. Oh, or... she was. She was. So you have to imagine she has, like, this banana, whatever. Oh, well, oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. That's not inaccurate is what it was. It, that's that's why I laughed so hard. Go ahead. And She's it, repressed in that yeah, Well, <laughs> Like most women, unfortunately. Yes. Unfortunately. She, she might have been, yes. Yeah, but we that's we've got to put that film on our list of things to watch queer things that you've not seen because it was in that time of my my queer pilgrimage through media. Foxfire was one of those stops when I was really young. Ah, and okay. well, it was for a number of reasons. <laughs> Reason number one, probably at the time, was that Angelina Jolie was in there with a super gay haircut. Yes, and I was like, that what's was. going on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, she was still was. like her hacker's look that was going on there. Mm -hmm. And it was loosely based off of um, a, a book written by, I want to say, Joyce Carol Oates, 
but it was entitled Foxfire Confessions of a Girl Gang. And so, you know, my whole demo, like me, that's that's firmly center in the middle of what of the kind of content Candace wants to see is girl gang content. And so I was into it. So you got to check it out because it's hella, hella vintage. And like I told you, the girlfriend Angelina Jolie had at the time is also in this film. But what came to me earlier when I was thinking about the show Meow and you heard me humming it was the girl that you said was holding a banana. And well, she <laughs> tells her friend that she has a, a song that she's been working on, original song. And it kind of fits for the show Meow talk where she's like, do you want to come inside my house? Do you want to show me things I've never seen before? <laughs> I don't want to tie you down. I just want to tie you up. Do you want to come inside my house? And so it's true. I remember that whole ditty and was just randomly humming it while on the computer earlier, you guys. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just saying that uh, that's what's there. And that's one of the things that stuck. I don't know how many exact lines I can remember from that film, but I can definitely remember the sounds of a repressed lady asking for someone to come inside her house. And I was like, girl, <laughs> won't someone oblige her, please? Won't someone? Gosh. So how much more stalling are we going to do anyway before we get to the horror show that is the final 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of Gentleman Jack episode seven. Okay, I'll find another way to to stall. And here's what I'm going to stall. Because I totally forgot to mention this in part three or any of the other subsequent parts when we were talking about Mariana and all her influence over stuff. I just wanted to mention, you guys, that of all the ladies that Ann Lister laid her eyes on and tried to jaunt with, a grubble, et cetera, et cetera, the, the prettiest gal, the most gorgeous gal who she encountered in her lifetime was not Mariana. Some of you might be surprised to discover that it was not Mariana, that she did not consider Mariana the prettiest lady she ever did see. And do y'all want to know who that bitch was? I mean, we've kind of gone into this a little bit on the group of confessions, but um, it's Miss Eliza Rain locked up. And this is actually something that author Angela Steedle includes in her book with a citation for anyone who's interested in decoding that page. It's from an entry on the 13th of June, 1834 where she essentially refers to her as the most beautiful girl I ever saw. Well, so, you know, Eliza up here locked up by the patriarchy and some bullshit and Steph Belcombe's asylum, but still a knockout, evidently. So just a little side thing. If you guys think that Mariana had all the categories checked, if you're thinking that, well, Mariana just beat out every bitch in every other category, that's a lie. That's a lie. It's not true. (laughs) It's Eliza. And since we've brought up Eliza, I just want to say I cannot wait to get into some of my theories about Eliza Rain in particular that we've been working through for the group of confessions. Well, you know part of it based off some of the entries that Anne wrote about visiting Eliza. And I'm like, girl, you out here visiting your ex-bitch in the the asylum. This is... This is the most dramatic L word episode I ever did see. And I haven't seen it. I'm just reading it. And you guys, the description of what's going on with Eliza and what Anne observes, it just, it gave me such a vivid idea of what was happening on these visits that I simply have to talk about it. It has not been appropriate except in group of confessions, but it will be a thing that we will be doing in the post season season of stuff when we're doing group of confessions. And we're going to go through every lady, every woman that Anne was interested in 
and did some shit with. We're going to go down the timeline of the Grubbles, if there were any, what they did together, the general ideas, the vibes, and talk about it as like separate episodes and things after we get all through our Ann and Ann stuff and projections, predictions, feelings, wrap-ups, whatever, as the season concludes itself. And I don't know if another podcast has taken as long as we have to (laughs) go through eight episodes of content, but God, this show warrants it. You have any curiosities about Eliza Rain that you're looking forward to? Uh, Well, I mean, I'm kind of going in very... Why do I want to say? Remember that Anne visited her multiple times throughout the years, which to me is wild. Wild. I mean, expected, but wild wild for poor Liza wait <laughs> look, um, look. I have I have thoughts and feelings on that yeah so yeah and what I actually find super curious is that Eliza Rain is the only person who Anne dated who has a book or a novel written about her if you guys are curious that book is entitled Gentleman Jack The Early Life of Miss Anne Lister and the Curious Tale of Miss Eliza Rain And I do believe it to be a curious tale. So you already know that I'm pretty positive that any existence Eliza had was fucked up. Because not only was she queer and heartbroken by the time her and Anne split up, but she was also of mixed race. In British society in a time where, well, I don't know that times have gotten better. If you were to ask Meghan Markle in particular about what's going over in Britain, but you know or being a person of color who was amongst the aristocracy in Britain, as we know she was because she was from, she was from wealth. But, you know, there's still going to be certain barriers that are in place. And I think that for Eliza, the heartbreak was, was a double situation because if she, she would have felt like an outsider to begin with. And then to, you know, when you have someone that you're into and that you love and you feel like it could be forever, that that's your, that's your safe place. That's your home. That's your thing. That's like your person. And then something happens as it does with her and Anne. And she's like, Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. And then you end up in an asylum because of some other shit that's also going down. And then you have to deal with the definite microaggressions that are happening because of your background and you have no one fighting for you or championing you. Uh, do you think they're gonna well depending on the timeline could we potentially go there in season two i don't think and i don't think sally will touch anything of these women who aren't mariana personally because like maybe tib and i'm desperate for tib please god will someone show me tib norcliffe in season two so I would prefer, I would like to see all of Anne's exes if you're asking me what I want, but do I think Sally will find a way to shoehorn it into the narrative? More than likely not. Just because I think that would present more questions that she would have to answer within her narrative that she doesn't want to maybe obligate herself to or spend the time on because there's certainly a whole bunch of other stuff that we need to get wrapped up that I don't know that introducing an ex that has no other introduction in the show, especially in season one, would be a little, a little risky. And I assume that's why Tib isn't actually in the show, even though Tib is a relevant person for her to write to and think about and mention. We've only heard Tib mention in the, a superfluous way, where she's like, oh, I got to get my carriage from the Norcliffs. 
But we've not really had any mention of Tim whatsoever. But I would like to see it. I just don't know how realistic that is. I keep saying these things so that one day the universe will respond and that enough creatives and artisans and people who like to make content or write things will consider adjunct stories to what Sally Wainwright has created for Ann Lister. Right now yes. we're looking at Ann Lister in her 40s. And as we know through some of the script scenes, they attempted to do some flashbacks. In addition to the one we got with her in the, in the parlor playing cards with the men, <laughs> And the bad women, which we love. (laughs) But hopefully this will, like, it spawn a whole world, a whole universe of of things and and tethers that have happened that I hope that as the years continue, people consider other perspectives like Eliza Rain, like a Mariana, like an Isabella. Because damn, if Isabella didn't have a broken heart, you know, like that PJ Harvey song we pointed out, like she went through a fucking lot when it came to Anne and Anne couldn't see it. You know, like she had so much insight in relation to herself sometimes and other people and what they need to do, what they ought to do. But when it came to her and Tib, she couldn't see that bitch, that whole drinking, especially hard when you're around because of you. It's you. So, yeah. So, no, I don't think we'll see Eliza. But would I like to see Eliza? Yes. Yes, I would. Yes. 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 Because she deserves her own agency as well. She was denied it as well, like so many women, because she was put into a hospital place, quote unquote, quote unquote, heavy quotes. And she definitely, from my estimation, did not deserve to be there. I feel like some people have an idea of Ann Lister driving women mad in some instances. And I would say that that's ridiculous. I think heartbreak is real and certainly the dolefuls, but I think it removes agency from a woman to say that for sure what has taken her completely down is this relationship going down versus the conglomerate or cacophony of things that all have to combine maybe to cause someone to have a breakdown if that's what it was. But I'm not also convinced that she had any type of mental breakdown. I think like how people can be something shitty happens and you act in an extreme fashion, especially for the day, which is like, don't show your emotions, mute it, hide it, keep it under control, keep it tethered because if you were to let it fly free, I mean, that is what people thought unstable looked like. Anger, (laughs) questions, opposition. And so I'm not of the thought that she was actually, you know, quote unquote mad, not at all. Just a victim of circumstance and circumstances that would have been worse if you're a woman. And again, another degree of worse if you were a woman of color. Yikes. Yikes. Well, I don't know if you remember, but remember the group of confessions where she was hanging off Ann Lister? Wait, like the earlier confessions? That was our, it was literally our first confession. Right. Yeah. That's Eliza. <laughs> and then she was never seen again. I can't. Well, technically, Anne did see her again several times, but never seen by us ever in the diaries in a significant way. Like, it's just in these moments of, I'm going to see Eliza, this is what happened. And as a reader, you're like, holy fuck, that's dramatic. (laughs) The way you were laying it, it seems so like shut, open and shut, but no, it's actually pretty fucked up. But yeah, that'll be some of the stuff we get to later, later, as we try to keep ourselves busy and positively gagging at information from Ann Lister to quote Beer Hobart, because there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of stuff there. There is a lot. And I'm actually super excited to get back into, because I sort of paused with my translations, because I've just been doing a lot of stuff that I have not had the time to dedicate, but I'm excited to get back into that and then share it with everyone. Nice. So I feel like that's enough um, stalling, so. I guess we could resume. (laughs) Where we Let's left your voice. off. Always raise octave. What? Okay, so what is that? Scottish? You know what? Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Essentially, where we leave off is this 
the split between Mariana and Anne after Charles shows up. And a quote had occurred to me that I didn't mention in the last part that was actually, um, I want to say, from Beloved. You've read that book, right, by Toni Morrison? Yes. Where she has a character where she's like, love is or it ain't. <laughs> That's essentially how I feel about Mariana and Anne Lister. Love is or it ain't. Like The whole quote is, love is or it ain't. Then love ain't love at all. Then love ain't love at all. Well, that's how I feel about it. But I can be sort of extreme in these situations. Like I've always said, I'm ride or die. So I don't know what it is to love someone at half mast. Right. It's like, uh, (laughs) what is that? You're good for the grubbles. Oh, man. Well, I've never had that energy. But Mariana, good Lord. There was actually another quote that occurred to me from N.A. Sinan where she was talking about love and she's like, love never dies a natural death. It dies because we don't know how to replenish its source. It dies of blindness and errors and betrayals. It dies of illness and wounds. It dies of weariness, of witherings, of tarnishings. And how, like, is that not a wonderfully apt description of what has happened between Mariana and Anne, and especially when Anne is like, water under the bridge. And Steph is yes. like, water under the fucking bridge. <laughs> and Lista, you guys have been through a lot, and there's just been so many betrayals, so many errors and wounds and weariness that how can, how can this go forward in a prosperous way that is healthy for you both? <laughs> there's, a, there's a thought, but I, can't, I can't, it's ridiculous. I was about to say, like, someone raising their mother. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so I we had to just edit out a thing, you guys. But I just have to completely, completely take a side jaunt off the road because Terrence has reminded me of one of my new women slash characters that I'm standing in the fictional verse. And I don't know if anyone out there is watching Watchmen, but it is happening on HBO starring Regina King. Regina and King. There is a character on there, you guys, who goes by the name of Lady True. Lady True. And immediately, the way I work, I'm usually standing all the bitches, especially if you're like, you have power, you have intelligence. <laughs> I pledge my fealty. And that's what it was. And then what's so great about this, this fictional character, Lady True, who's doing whatever the fuck she wants in the show, is that she's named after an actual person that existed and is regarded as kind of like a... A Vietnamese Joan of Arc in their lore, legends, mythology, what have you. And so they have her as living between, in the third century, essentially, between 225 and 248. And what's great about her, <laughs> I'm going to just read this quote that they have on Wikipedia because it's outrageous, but it's also perfect misandry. Okay. The quote is, I'd like to ride storms, kill sharks in the open sea, drive out the aggressors, reconquer the country, undo the ties of serfdom, and never bend my back to be the concubine of whatever man! Look! Look! Energy! (laughs) Terrence, I would have crossed every ocean to join Lady True. I'd be like, we are freeing the Vietnamese! We are pushing out the oppressor! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! So, I don't... Like, like I said, a complete side jump because that's one of my new side things. I'm just like, oh, my God, these women that existed in year in century three. Right. And so that's super cool. And I've lately been trying to, like, figure out, like, what I'm going to do. I think that as I've been meditating on my go on fearlessly tattoo, I had this other idea that I've been like, it's been marinating for a while. But I feel like it's coming full into focus where I was essentially going to have a sword 
tattooed on my back because it's apropos for myself okay. and things and like my actual lineage, ancestrally wise. That's not a word. The ancestral lineage that I think potentially I might incorporate go on fearlessly with some sort of either in the crest or of in like the blade, the blade even. or maybe a ribbon. I haven't. I have an artist I'm working with, of course, a woman, um, <laughs> to figure it out. But yeah, I think that's gonna that will mean that I will suffer the most because I was out here trolling you about your potential pain and screaming. But um, oh, that's inevitable. My bone. Oh, oh. Well, yeah, backbones. That should be. I assume it'll be like the rib. But my pain tolerance is high, so I'm fingers crossed that it'll be fine. <sighs> but yes. Yeah, so back to motherfucking Mariana and Anne. And Anne fucking leaves. She's she's gone. She's gone. Out of the scene with Mariana and Charles, she leaves them to fight, which we can totally tell they do all the time. And she's kind of in her room, and she's just pissed the fuck off. Probably upset that she let it get to that point. I'm going to read into the fact that maybe if they spend too much time together, it can get here, where frustrations just build up, and Mariana's frustrated with the fact that Anne keeps persisting and acting like she doesn't know that it's someday, maybe someday, when Charles dies, and Anne keeps pushing for right now, right now, right now and it just leads to this burst that can't sustain itself perhaps or maybe there's ebbs and flows where they fight and it's a high thing or a low thing and then okay there's a moment we break whatever and then we go back and then we fight again and potentially mariana was like i would like to stay till we get back to the good part but charles and her well other plants <laughs> yeah so let's talk about the heartbreak in Scotland and the magic mirrors on the Isle of Lesbos. And I know, I know, Anne was in London and not on the Isle of Lesbos, <laughs> but that's what I decided to write down for my notes. I, I feel it uh, apropos. Anywhere there's sapphic love, it's the Isle of Lesbos, okay? I declare it forevermore. You know how, like, colonialists would just stick their fucking flag and shit and be like, this is it. This is me. I just need a flag to be like, Isle of Lesbos. And they're like, this isn't even an island, Candace. Well, it is now, bitch. It's the Isle of Lesbos. In my head, I was like, everywhere. I was like, Unimatrix Zero. <laughs> Not that anybody anywhere oh would know God. what that is, but it is fine. <laughs> fine. You don't need to know what it is, but. Let's talk about what goes on next. Unfortunately, we see poor, poor Ann Walker, who is a beautiful mess, sitting in the window, all sad and lonely. No curls, not even uh, a braid. Everything is just I was sad like, and loose. Fashion is terrible. It's full depression. Like we are like, oh, all out depression. Great, fantastic. Scotland has been so good for Ann Walker. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. I See, at least it. with her sister, it was like, oh, she doesn't look great. Oh, well, she is literally running around, and these kids are <laughs> literally running her ragged. So it's like, well, yes. she can't put on her best face. She has no. She's distracted. She can't. And here's Ann Walker. And it's like, well, why aren't you? You just no. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then we cut back to Ann Lister, who is getting ready to jaunt out of the hotel and on to her next destination because she's had it with Mariana, which we all completely understand. And then we're back in Scotland again. And this whole scene is very interesting. We talked about it a little bit for the Patreon, but it's uh, it's definitely... I would say, for sure, the only real surrealist moment in the series where it's not straight logic. It's open to interpretation, which I rather enjoy these things. Essentially, we have Anne Walker looking into the mirror and crying, and then she says, don't leave me. And that's when Anne Lister looks into the mirror where she is, and it's almost like she can hear and feel right. Anne Walker. Well, th right. Okay, so editing on this portion as we have gotten previously, like in the previous episode where she was writing to Mariana and it seemed like she was responding in real time, but she wasn't because, you know, 
parcels they travel like there's, <laughs> there's, there's no real right, way right, to right, really right, have right. it be juxtaposed that way unless you're doing these sharp cuts so we're getting cuts of it's analysts there i guess in the mirror walking beyond the mirror because i guess she was tired of thinking right, what she was thinking and you know she's reacting and and half stepping back towards it in the same time that we're hearing and walker say don't leave me and it does read as if they can just just step through the glass or something and just get to you know your lady fair like i just I mean, there's so many reasons why I like this idea, because like I said, in general, surrealist interpretations of stories interest me from my natural inclinations to what I like to read and perhaps the way my mind works, which is some sort of combination of what is logical and tangible and provable and then what is not, you know, fourth dimension type quantum physics type shit. And so at least for me as a a film fan or a film nerd, nearly every film I can think of since the dawn of cinema till now that explores some sort of surrealist function more surrealist theme in the film is directed by a man and a number of these things have had women in it like i mean one of the easiest ones that comes to mind is motherfucking david lynch and mulholland drive silencio um or we could go further back to directors like what's his name federico fellini eight and a half all right which is totally or being john malkovich spielberg do never ending story Oh, it was Wolfgang Peterson for Never Ending Story. But they do have that scene near the end when the boy realizes that the book he is reading is not some other person's fantasy that he was actually in the book and that the writing was talking about him directly telling him to do a thing. (laughs) And all of a sudden he's so into the book that you don't see him or hear him reading the words anymore. It's just him listening to someone asking him to call out her name and he's he's just trying to he's trying to make it make sense it's raining outside and yeah it was it was a nice uh climatic scene for i mean the movie had its downs but i mean that part was just very intense just mostly men have been able to play with this idea or this thing that you can do in films like Luis Benuel with Belle du Jour like there's so many of them I can think of and it's a style that I like but so often I'm just co-signed to some little bit of uh, sexism misogyny or whatever you know whatever else is also coming with those films which is kind of shitty and so just on the surface I was happy to see a woman let alone a woman telling a story about two women in love or trying to make it happen and then also other queer women on the peripheral I was like oh cool so surrealism is happening in a queer production fantastic but then also like we were talking about before that that's something that people often feel I don't know if you've had any experiences where you have felt tethered to someone whether it's a familial tether or just an emotional tether where maybe you've sent something and then actually something was going on. I can only speak for myself and say that one place where it consistently happens is my mother. And she has a tendency of reaching out via text to just be like, oh, maybe I'm just thinking about you. Oh, I just felt like you were on my mind. And mm-hmm. that generally happens in like my most stressed out moments. We're like, where I'm always going to handle it by myself. I literally will never bring anything work-related or some things related to my mother because I'm just like, whatever, deal with it, bitch. But she will be like, I just feel like you're in a moment of not really sleeping or being extra stressed out. Just want to say, thinking about you, love you, praying for you, what have you. Right, I send those out to maybe like my grandmother or like an aunt. Uh, 
Uh, has it correlated to your to your awareness or do you just sort of feel in moments that okay this is just i should reach out for this person uh well the i just yeah it's a random like i try to make sure that i don't let too much time pass from reaching out just in general just to keep the channel open in case there is something going on uh but there are moments where i could be at the office and all of a sudden my leg is vibrating and it's because like i'm getting a phantom message on my phone which is on do not disturb so it doesn't even vibrate but it's me (laughs) remembering all the times when it used to vibrate and it's like oh you got messages you should look at your phone it's like well i can't right now but soon as i can i will so i get (laughs) i get those it's also happened for me like with a accident or like something you know diabolical that you're like "Mm, i just sense a change in the atmosphere so a certain car accident i was in that was sensed by persons and also when my cousin died i just felt like and it was something i couldn't explain at the time i just sort of felt like it was it was it was a shitty day and that was before someone before i was informed by my mother that my cousin passed away and she was um a year older than me and young daughter and so i just uh it and that whole day was just like it was like i was out of time in existence mm. because things didn't make sense you know someone is in reality and they're in your world they're on this plane and then they're just not and then that's just what it is and there was a hospital thing that complicated itself and it was one of those situations which these are to me these are the worst situations obviously losing anyone in your family is horrific but when it's just like a <laughs> you know like someone's in the hospital and they're like oh yeah this is this is manageable we're going to fix it 24 hours later, oh, your person's dead. And you're like, what the fuck do you mean? What do you mean? That's not... Right, like, I'm going to need you to... Right. No, I, I could see that being... Where I just send something was shitty about that day, and then my mom was like, hey, so here's the news. And I was like, oh, all right. Oh, <laughs> great. Like, it's on brand for how I've been feeling. So, I mean, thanks, Yeah, I and she was one of my closer cousins. Or she lived in New York, and we hung out all the time because we were close in age, and we were teenagers. So that whole adolescent um, experience. And also, I guess I can say, thinking back, my grandmother. And that was actually when I was uh, 14. My grandmother passed away within a week of my mom giving birth to my brother, which was stressful (laughs) as you might imagine but it was just one of those things where you feel like there's just something amiss in the universe and then someone is like hey you know what you're right something is amiss and you're like oh okay so i i mean i liked what sally did here because it's not it's not something in my opinion she has to explain i don't know what other people think about it i'd be curious to hear potentially what thoughts um, you listeners have on this scene or were you able to relate to it do you just think it was weird and out of place like what did you think of it i personally thought that it was very clever and very well done for people who have experiences like that and this idea that you can be so tethered to someone emotionally intrinsically a soul link as a matter of fact that you can sense things perhaps when stuff is extremely dire in the world for one of the two connected i didn't know if you were gonna say something because you were like (laughs) yeah right because i was letting you meditate on what you were gonna say it's no i'm curious to read that's why i can't wait to go back to to see what how people were reacting, who paid attention to what in the moment when it did air live. I suppose it's one of those things like anything else, like what you see and experience from the show has a lot to do with what you project onto it. And what you project onto it has a lot to do, if not entirely to do with your own unique experiences in the world. And so I would imagine it meant something to people perhaps who have had these types of unexplainable 
events or phenomena where you're like, it's a soul connection. It's something that I cannot prove with empirical science at this time, but it's something that is valid and real for me and potentially this other person in this link. So, I mean, I don't know. That's why I was like, hey, listeners, what do you think? Because I, I feel like it must be that like, I, that I relate to it in this way because I can relate to it in this way because I've had these moments where something shitty has happened and then I've gotten a text or a call from my mom. And I'm like, bitch, how do you, this is so annoying because my mom, sometimes it's annoying. We're just like, I want to be off of myself, like sulking and being broody. And then here comes my mom sensing shit and being like, hey, do you want to talk? Are you okay? What's going on with you? I just feel like I just wanted to check in on you. <laughs> so, yeah. So would you say that her, I, would you say that her, I don't know, calling to mind, um, maybe because the idea of Ann Walker was stronger than ever on her mind because she just was defending her name from where she just was, is that, could that have been something that just sort of jogged her into like the I think absolutely forefront. I think absolutely and I think this is what is most beautiful about the scene is because it's open to interpretation as the viewer experiences it and as the viewer experiences things in their own lives and that's often what I love about surrealist film is that you can watch something and talk with people and have all kinds of different perspectives that are all valid because the director or storyteller has not decided to tell you a plus b equals c they're just like the alphabet and you experience it and okay go and you know David Lynch in particular when people were like what's up with Mulholland Drive he was like I got no answers for you and that's because he was like it's whatever it is to you I did the thing I shouldn't have to explain myself about what this is and whatever you experience it as is what it is and so that is my favorite part of surrealism why I love the category so much because there is no wrong answer in my opinion a Sally could say something we could find something in the script but still doesn't mean you're wrong because there's no that's the concept of something that is surreal that there is no wrong thing there is no right interpretation it's just off into the ether of experience I mean I love the way that and Lister just kind of has to stop in the mirror, like whatever she feels in that moment. Because it could be, like you said, it could be, okay, Anne Walker's on her mind and she's just thinking in a moment about the gravity of what she could be going through by herself. Is she lonely? Is she hurt? Is she suffering? Oh my God, all these thoughts are overwhelming me. I can barely breathe. And I think for a moment, do I need to go to Scotland? And we see that after a fact when she jaunts out and we're like, bitch, right. go to, say Scotland! And she's right. like, I can't, Right, she was like, huh. Change the plans. I'm like, well, well, um, so. I was like, stop choking on Scotland. And so I think that's why I think it's beautiful because it can be all those things. It can be something just as simple as I've been pushing you away from my mind this whole time and now you're here and everything's crashing down on me. And just for a moment, I'm I'm suffering. I'm drowning. I need to get out of this. I'm jaunting out of here. Let's go to Sky. So what we do logic. in America, which is sort of ridiculous, is that we sell these capsules, these pills that are like suppressors of appetite. So oh, what damn. they're supposed to they do, do that. is they're supposed to just block your... Aren't the, don't the Kardashians sell some bullshit they, like they that? Might, some lollipop? I, I feel like it. I saw Jamila from The Good Place yeah. where she was putting one of the Kardashians on blast for sponsoring a lollipop that was supposed to suppress your appetite and she does a lot of work on her social media to like try to empower young girls to be like hey don't don't do these weird freaky things that will ultimately destroy your body and your self-esteem even further just right. for some motherfucking nonsense because but. i was at one point young and impressionable and found myself yes. um on the experimental side of doing these suppressor things mm -hmm. and you know what for the duration that they say, whether it's six to eight hours, whatever it is, you're not thinking about food at all. You see it. You don't really want That's it. Wild. But 
there is a point where the blockers stopped doing their active duty, which was blocking those signals. And then all of a sudden you are hit with this this wave of hunger of hunger and it's not like that doesn't it's, sound it, healthy right no no it's a it's a pain it's one of those i can't think of nothing else to do but either try to block this further which they don't really recommend uh or you just trying to grab a snack or something so now imagine that what you are trying to do is have this block or this suppressant of your desire to i don't know obtain the happy ending that that is not yet to be and so you are have all these other things in front of you these distractions uh Mm -hmm. these people and then all of a sudden after this fervor and then you're separating yourself from you know someone like a mariana it's like all of a sudden you're hit with all those hunger pains that were once there and prominent but suppressed now they're no longer suppressed right so it's it's I mean, yeah, to me, that's kind of a flashback, too, to the last love scene we had between the ends where Ann Lister is like, you came so close. And she's like, her whole body is sobbing at this point as she clings to Ann Walker. And so I think that actually what you said is totally valid because the amount of intensity, whether she likes it or not, of the feelings that she has, and certainly if we go with the portrayal in the show, around Ann Walker, it's like a big bursting thing that you can't contain and would require some suppression to get through the day-to-day. Because, I mean, that's just straight heartbreak. I mean, we've both experienced it, that no matter what age you are, if you were completely into a person and for a time you're like, this is it. Like, obviously, this is it. This is what we're doing. We're going to jump together for the rest of of time into all the realms. And then you don't. Like, that period (laughs) of trying to get reacclimated to a single you, a solitary you, a you without that person and those expectations is rough. And sometimes the way you deal with it is total suppression, which much like your analogy with these um, these pills, these diet pills, that it's not healthy because total suppression just leads to a fucking outburst. And the outburst can't possibly be healthy because it's the result of all this repression. Right. Like Mariana and her. Let's fight. Outburst because. Um, hmm. Sorry, not trying to go back there, not trying to go back there. But yeah, I like that. I like that analogy. You came up with and the worst part is at least for me as an Ann stan well i'm an Ann and Ann stan but especially Ann walker stan is that she is in the mirror loose curls no braids looking completely just dejected and in that moment when sally's like okay we're gonna shoot some surrealist shit we hear Ann walker say don't leave me and you're like oh god Uh, and i don't know why the disco song just came to head don't leave me this way oh my god i can't survive baby right it frustrates me to think of her in some place like scotland where she's supposed to be getting the the greatest of care but she's left to her own devices oh my god you know something else just occurred to me really quickly and who knows what sally actually meant but then that's the cool thing with these types of scenes is what if what if ann walkers don't leave me well, I mean, like we said, it can be open to all kinds of interpretation. But what if we look at it another way where the don't leave me is her belief in Ann Lister's love for her, her belief that Ann Lister still cares because she asks her sister, hey, did you get a letter? Or she's like, right. no, she's not like, yet. yeah, but, you know, she's probably already traveling. And, it's, you know, it's the season. Right. You That's another way to look at it, especially given what we see at the end of the episode is that she's like, don't leave me. Don't let this hope leave me. Don't let this idea that is actually keeping me going in this moment go away. I don't know. What do you think about that? I like a big part of it, which is basically her 
Yeah, it's basically she said, like, don't quit on me, ultimately. Like, I'm still here. I'm still yours, ultimately. The thirst is still... Can't you feel my you thirst? You can't give it a thirst. Can't you feel my thirst? You should always feel the thirst. And, miles away. And Lister. Good Lord. Oh, I did so good. I was going to sing. I'm happy I'm not singing. Oof. You didn't sing any of the last episode, even though you told the listeners you would. I mean, just I a mean, little bit. I mean, it was... It's, I don't know if it's the the bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if we want Jaunty singing, but also a sleepness uh, later, that's the Jan. I don't know what the bourbon gonna do. But yeah, she's she's ultimately out here um, fighting still. Ann Walker? Yes. She is. I mean, it seemed like she was. And, and Lister on the other side feeling some sort of dread. Some sort of impending dread. And well, that's a real phenomena that goes down. And I almost sort of feel like in this scene, as she puts on her clothes and her top hat and stuff, it's like armor. And I suppose any number of ways that can be taken at Ann Lister's coat of arms, so to speak. And what she wears is a type of armor for her when she walks the world. But it feels like she's putting this armor back on after this moment in the mirror. And we would hope and prefer that she was putting the armor on to jaunt to Scotland and take whatever and do whatever to be like, Anne's coming home with me versus let me take this powerful jaunt to Copenhagen, (laughs) to Denmark, because I'm too fucking stubborn to go over here to Scotland. I mean, too hurt, too vulnerable. Because I wouldn't even say stubborn for Ann Lister at this point. For what the show is showing me, I would read in that this is a a type of vulnerability that she does not want to expose herself to. Because even though she wants nothing more than to go see Ann Walker, she also can't deal with the fact that she could get there and her expectations be completely wrong or false. Or Ann Walker is not saying or doing what she expected. That would fucking destroy her. So she's like, no, 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 no. No, not leaving an opportunity for that hurt to come. So not Scotland. Let's go to Copenhagen. And we both screamed. We're like, Ah! Ah! Please! Ann Walker needs you. God. I mean, she does. She does. And it's actually Mariana and Charles fighting together that can be overheard, kind of muffled, that comes back into ear view with the ADR that kind of jogs Ann Lister out of, out of this moment of, I won't say reverie, because it's like the opposite of that, but just this sort of ethereal moment that's happening in the mirror. And she's like brought back to earth, brought back to real life with Mariana yelling at her husband over here. And I believe I mentioned in the last episode, and we will cover in the nightcap that it wasn't just about, it wasn't about some funeral. And well, you should have come with me about my nephew and what the fuck, you're not even a halfway decent wife, you know, just to show people, but also to do with Mariana flirting with another dude as Antroma mentions in her book and things and things. And so, yeah, you know? And Anna's like, fuck, fuck this. Right. Um, Who needs this? I don't need this. Right. I don't need this. What is this, het arguments? This is my vacation, excuse me. And so she's like, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. And she takes that super powerful and just like, we're like, yeah, doing it, Anne. And the whole time, especially you, because you didn't know, you're like, let's go to Scotland. We're going to Scotland. And she almost says it, but it doesn't happen. Um, it doesn't happen. And poor Eugenie is also suffering out there. Right. She's not having a fun time with the new groom. The new groom is wearing thin on me. And <laughs> I just don't know how much I can take, um, uh, I don't know, a cishet audaciousness. Like, I don't I don't need it. I don't need cishet audacity. I thought I was done with it with Ainsworth and um, with, you know, the Rawsons. But no, no. I get a new groom who's, who's you know, 
green. He's really green and you know, he's really excited about his opportunity to do a good job, but then he's treating the help like garbage. And I don't like that at all. Yeah. When Anne comes outside, immediately Eugenie is like, I've tried. I've literally tried, but I can't get through to this motherfucker. He is so rude. And she starts to hit herself in the forehead. Right. And Anne is just like, stop it. You'll damage yourself. And poor Anne. She's she's not trying to see any more women damaged on this day. Right. As she's thinking about a damaged Miss Walker, potentially, in Scotland. I mean, I was hoping that this would have been where I would have gotten some sort of horse whipping speech. If only. Or just some threat. Like, you know the way Anne just gets up in a man's face? I would have loved to right. see her get up in Thomas Beach face. Like, bitch, if you don't fix yourself. Okay, that's all I'm going to say to you. That's all I'm going to say. If you want to keep traveling, ho, figure it out. Or I, I can replace you. <laughs> Lickety split! But that's just what I want for Eugenie. I'm like, can Eugenie get a break up in these streets? And so after that, she's like, yeah, there's been a change of plans. And well, not the one that we wanted. I'm like, oh, we headed back to you getting thrashed at Badgammon and Shipton. No? God damn it, And Okay. We're going to Copenhagen because yeah. she does not say what we want her to say. And Beach is like, today? And she's like, yes, today, motherfucker. Yes, today, bitch. Like, excuse me, did I stutter? Did I stutter? Today. I need to jump out of here right now. Mariana's upstairs arguing with her husband and I can't be in the proximity of their het nonsense anymore because it's making me want to hurl. Now, that is all me ad-libbing what Anne Lister might have been thinking, but, no, but who get, wants yeah. to hear their flame or lover, form of flame, what have you, arguing with their current, who is a fucking old het like Charles. Literally, that is on the bottom of every list of things I would want to do. I like that what she's doing is removing herself as the viable option. If she were to take this time to stand up and stand against Charles to be like, well, I don't need this. And then it's like, well, you have no one. And it's like, well, it's not that I have no one. I actually have someone. And she's right. Oh, well, God, please. I don't know if Anne's well. pride could take that shit. That would be horrible. Because, right. I mean, she already says, like, you know, I'm I'm the seconds. I'm the leftovers. I'm This is what I'm to deal with. Right. Just, like, what's left. Okay, great. You never have to prioritize me in your life ever, ever. But I'm to prioritize you forever. That's wild, Mariana. Yeah, right. That's right. just a little wild. But sadly, <sighs> she does not curse out Beach and threaten his job or his life. Instead... After she yells at them to be like, now, bitch, now, 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 we're leaving literally right now. And I guess to be fair for the service, <laughs> who knows what they expected that day. And probably said, you know, Mariana and I were going to go shopping Piccadilly. <laughs> that right. Mariana said. And then they were just expecting to chill all day. Here comes Anne storming out of the fucking inn. Like, we going right now. And they're like, bitch, right now. I don't even got my shoes on. Right now. We're leaving. And then we see Anne jaunt off with this really long fourth wall break where I, this is probably in a sense, perhaps outside of the first episode, because I really do enjoy that first fourth wall break with Ann Lister when Eugenie throws up and she like, looks into the camera like, <laughs> women. Um, is this fourth wall break where it's a continued thing and it's so heartbreaking and it's after she leaves Eugenie and Beach and she's like, order the horses, do all this fucking stuff. And what I feel like is so great about this scene is that, and again, Saran Jones playing this part excellently, just making it her own. I don't know if anyone can ever, ever do as great a job as she did, is that this is, and also Sally for writing the scene. To me, this is the only way generally we get to see Ann Lister vulnerable is through her diaries. And in this moment, this is like 
for the way that Sally has chosen to do the diary entries and that part of it when she incorporates into the show, it usually has to do with a fourth wall break and Anne talking to us like she would her diaries. And so I think this is great that like she's just left with this jaunt from the inn. She's just yelled at Thomas and Eugenie. She almost said Scotland and let that shit slip. But the only time she's going to be vulnerable and let it know that like she's on her Moulin Rouge inside my heart is breaking is to the fourth wall, to the camera that's right. like, this is a lie. It's mostly bullshit. I am hurting. I am upset. I am just sort of like, why, 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 why? But no one else is going to see that but the pages of my diary, a.k.a. the audience in this moment through the fourth wall break that says, mm, I got to go. Everything's not all right. And well, okay. No, I don't disagree with that. That's ultimately what we are shown with the vulnerabilities towards us, but not towards the help. I mean, aside from her saying, Eugenie, stop trying I would, to I would yourself. even go so far as to say anyone, because, I mean, with the exception of Aunt Anne, in some instances, think about the brute when she first is back at Shabby Little Shibden. Right. And she's just letting it show. Like, she, she puts on a, a type of face for nearly everyone, except for her aunt, in some instances, where she's then just quiet, and Aunt Anne has to read into her silence and things, as she knows her niece, versus that look that Saran was able to conjure that is literal heartbreak. It's literal pain. Great, she's a thespian with all the skills because she was able to convey that with just a look, with just her brows, with just her walk and everything that was happening that's like, mm, I'm a bit broken right now. But no one's going to see it behind this jaunt except in this moment, in this crack, in this piece, in my diaries where I, I let it all flow, I let it all out and then I regird myself and I'm, I've got my, my armor back on, I've got my top hat back on, I've got my walking stick and I'm, I'm just going to be strong, just going to jaunt through this pain. Well, kudos to... Sally, if she gave notes in particular for the way that break happened, because, yeah, that was definitely poetic. Indeed. And then, oh, Elizabeth, we see Elizabeth goes to see Anne. And I guess we did not mention, and I was like, oh, who needs to? But prior to that, we see like a scene of Anne Walker. She cuts herself. And she sees the blood in her hand. She cuts, like, the palm of her hand. And then when she sees the blood, she's like, oh, blood. Right. Like, it's a <laughs> new was like, fascination. No! no! Is it because it's really red? It Walker, like, what are we doing? And like so... <laughs> anyone would be. I am flattered with your fascination with me. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Uh, jagged little pill. Uh-huh. Reference. And then this is when we see Elizabeth go to see Anne Walker and she finds her all bloody and mesmerized by the mess that she's made of herself. And Elizabeth is like, what, what have, have you, you done? done? What have you done? And we're all like, what have you done, Anne Walker? I feel like she said, I don't know. She did. She replies, I don't know. And then she and collapses then she on col- the floor. I did not like this collapse. I didn't like it. Mm. There's nothing to like about the collapse. There's nothing to like about the scene, to be sure. So, okay. Since we're basically to the end of the episode, I feel like I can let this drop so you can marinate before we do the the historical nightcap where we have entries and things. This is, in terms of the suicide attempt, a fiction that is added by Sally to the narrative of Ann Walker, just so you know. Well, okay, so... Well, how do you feel about that? I'm curious. Well, we don't have her diaries, so we have to just assume that this is a fiction? Unless it's just not noted 
at all because Ed, Anne is not there. You know what I mean? So right. we don't have Anne Walker's diaries to say what was happening in Scotland. We we don't we don't have that. Right, we don't. But as far as I can tell and from some other research I've done and what other people have written that there is like it's just like even though things got really bad for Ann Walker. There's no verifiable proof that she attempted to harm herself in this way and end her life. And so it's interesting because I've seen some perspectives on this and some people are of the thought that they have no idea why Sally did this and they're angry about it. And other people who did not know that it was a fiction so they don't have any feelings about it until maybe they went to the books and then people who were just sort of, I guess, not angry about but, it but so i was curious where's to you no, fell no, no. on the spectrum so of versus me being on the fence of saying well we truly cannot disprove it because there's no actual survived journals from her perspective to say that she didn't have these um battles but i am hard-pressed to find a love story where mental health is not prominent or an, an active factor in do you mean such in a general story. or like i i yeah like a like a it's hard i would be hard pressed to find a queer love story well that's why i was like do you mean in general right. for like everyone or just no. queer people right <laughs> because god the tragedy follows us in the in the stories unfortunately a long time it's everywhere but yeah i don't feel like i'm uh i don't feel that the insertion of this notion betrays the love or the memory of either of these two women. I don't feel like it's a, you know, it was done out of malice, you know? Okay, yeah, I would agree there. Because I've read a few takes on it where the the opinion of the, the person I was reading was, you know, it's very strong in terms of like not liking that this, that Sally wrote this and feeling like it was even disrespectful to the legacy or memory of Ann Walker because of how intense suicide is. And I don't know that I, that I find it disrespectful. I suppose it depends how you look at it and how you consider suicide. And perhaps you think a person could think that Ann Walker was robbed of some sort of agency that she did have in her life by putting this narrative on her. And so I really don't know. I suppose we'd, we'd have to find out from Sally directly what she was thinking of. But in my head, I'm sort of like, like you say, not malice. So what I try to consider is the intent behind the narrative to say that, okay, this didn't happen specifically as far as we can tell with Ann Walker, but it's a major problem with the LGBTQ plus category and especially with the youth of this category. I believe the statistics are something like uh, queer youth are almost five times as likely to have attempted suicide compared to het youths. And that, that sounds that sounds on right. track, yeah. And in general, the youth are most at risk for these types of thoughts, but especially five times more queer youth. And so I think that if I take it from that perspective and Sally wanting to touch on something that, especially for the hets that, encounter this show that got into the show to maybe give them some sort of perspective on where this can go because even though ann walker is grown by the time we find her her queer awakening has not happened until she was in her her late 20s essentially almost 30 that the kind of mental duress that can happen with the social stressors and the societal stressors of being queer 
can lead to these negative things and potential self-harm that it would still be relevant for any queer person at any time that you were coming into this awakening in this situation and then having a relationship that had potential issues and things and things and you're dealing with your own internalized homophobia and yep. stuff and on top of her mental health issues that she already had. So I don't, I'm, I'm somewhere in between there. Well, I'm not mad at Sally. Like I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, this angers me. It, it doesn't. It was curious to me when I found out that it wasn't there because it was one of the things I did want to know. Like, oh, did this really happen? Like, this is like, what's going on? And so, like you say, we can't know anything for sure, for sure, I suppose, unless we have the actual transcript <laughs> of Ann Walker's life. But at least for me and in my perspective, I do not feel like it was done casually i don't right. feel like it was done maliciously i think the intent behind it was to show a reality for so many queer people potentially start a conversation potentially raise awareness for these things that if you force someone so intensely to deny who they are this could be the end result because how can you live your life denying yourself this entire time at some point it becomes ridiculously self-destructive and that self-destructiveness can actually be tangible in action yeah like i'm staring at the concept of um people driven to self-harm in this particular episode there are so many different people who could have um played that part queer and non-queer um, if I start from earlier into the episode, um, Alistair's sister, mortified at an outburst that a drunkard made about her status at the bank. Right. About not only are you homeless, but, you know, I mean, if I took another shot, I would think about maybe marrying you for, just for your coal. So, right. like, not even in, as a woman, you know. So she, in her state, once she got home, she could have resorted to uh, personal harm, especially um, since, you know, she probably put all of her eggs in one basket for Mr. Abbott, which she didn't have to Love. do. You're worth so much more. All I'm so, going to say is she was staring at, at Thomas Beach, uh, the area. She, of his, um, well, because right. she like was she, clearly over Abbott, but I, 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 just, no, I do see what you're saying. But, that, I, but yeah. if, if she had that much trouble getting uh, Abbott to sit down for, for lunch and dinner at the estate, could you imagine trying to sit down with the groom? <laughs> <laughs> like, he literally works for us. Like, what? And <laughs> and Lister would never let her right. leave that town. This is She's right. Like, you slept with the fucking groom. The help. The right. help, Marion. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, the way that we also get Mariana presented with her feeling trapped, like oh, you know, once my husband dies, I'm not going to be left with anything. And then you know her again centering how she's going to get on how she's going to thrive how she's going to live right, and she right. could be like there's no easy way out there is no way out there's no shortcut home there's no there's no way i could truly feasibly see myself as being happy i'm one of the i'm not one of the chosen few that get to be uh landed ladies unlike you unlike miss walter <laughs> your friend so like th those lives those i don't know those lives that's not the life i live the life i live is has has been this hideous thus far. I am tired of wrinkly penis and I'm over it. And then she could have, again, been ridden to the point where she wanted to take her attention seeking right. and, and her uh, desperate nature for the union, even though she was playing long, long game. She could have taken it to the extreme to say, you, if you walk out this door, um, you'll, you'll receive a, what is it? The dark, uh, outlined 
a note sent to your estate? Is that what the the grave news? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> like she could have been the one to threaten suicide if she would have tried to separate from her. You know, to double down on the you know we can never just be just friends. Oh my gosh! Like, you it, know, it, actually, it, I would say that trapment. that Mariana and this is again like obviously nothing about this can be proven, but just for my own Mariana that I've sort of built up in my head with all the pieces of information we can get from Alistair's diaries is that she actually has too much. What's the word I want to look for? Not necessarily resilience, but. Oh, like one of those. So, like- no, she's a survivor. Mariana's a survivor. Threaten self harm, even if it was a manipulative tactic of some kind, or actually do it. Because I, the, I see her as such a survivor and so into saving herself by any means necessary that leaving the earth because things are just so difficult, and especially when you when you add mental health issues and the uncontrollable that that you're dealing with in your actual body and actual chemical things and things and things that that's not. That that's not Mariana. That she, you know, like she would be like, well, it would suck to be destitute and this and that. But I don't think that she would be so pushed because she's so assured in what she's done. She made the choices that she did and she sticks to them, essentially. Like Anne wishes she didn't, but didn't she? She's always like, when Charles dies. (laughs) And so (laughs) I just don't know that she feels trapped enough where she's like, I'm totally suffocating here. Like she is doing the best that she can with the circumstances that she has and surviving the only way she knows how. Right. So that speaks to why Sally wouldn't have put that narrative on her. And then we have our titular character. Like she could have put it into the lap of Ann Lister, who has been um, found to have uh, endured several devastations throughout the series. Uh, One of which leading to almost the burning of the journals. Like she was, oh. she was. Well, ready Mariana to... wanted her to burn. Uh, this one, listen, get rid of all that shit. Right, like back in the Disney, <laughs> where she was like, I don't know. Charles is a, he suspects a whole lot. He, in fact, he suspects the whole thing. He's like, you guys are being <laughs> lesbos he, together. What's going on? He found his reading glasses after I hid them, and he's been. He found some of our props, <laughs> and he was like, "What is this? What is this? Where'd you get this from?" No, <laughs> no, but yeah. Uh, so, like, an analyster could have. I mean, especially with the being devastated when she desperately needed the win for her to, again, offer someone to stay in Shipton with her after her most recent rejection, after being pulled apart from the lady of House House Thirst and to be told yes, the way she was told yes, with that pregnant pause and then to say when Charles dies. It's like, (laughs) so what you meant to say was no. So why why are we... (laughs) So, and Mary, Mariana's like, you know why? Because <laughs> we've been going around this merry-go-round and Lister Boo for like twenty years. So, but they don't want to I mean, sleep you know. with you, do they? So it's like, oh, so all of really? that energy. Are we doing that, Terrence? But Is that and, what you no, no, just no. decided but to do? Ann you Lister brought me back to that. Receiving up line. all of that, good lord, and then needing to do something with it. I wonder what they get out of it. I but see, that's because then- Mariana is a malicious hoe. And I just, like, I know I yelled for some time about that line, but you just brought it all back when she's like, but they don't want to, they don't want to sleep with you. And just like for our version, they don't want to fuck you, do they? And it's just so rude. It is just so are- rude. Because not only do we know that Mariana read the diaries, that she knows Ann Lister very well, just like Tib, among the best. And to know no resistance, make up to her, so careful, so careful, just want to make sure, double check, triple check, rate check, that she wants to grubbles, that Mariana 
knowing what she knows and knowing how close and how easy it is for her to hurt Anne would say something so directly hurtful. Oh, but they don't want to sleep with you, right? Right? But they're not really queer, right? Right? You're just making do, right? You're just settling, right? And it's just like, oh, my God, because not only are you doing this, not only are you are you are you flaming and trolling another queer in this fucking patriarchy, goddamn Georgian universe where gals being pals is, you know, more common than you would expect. But still, it's hard to find someone to grubble with and just like keep it all straight. And then you bring that up. Also knowing the power of your grubble, knowing right. that Anne really likes to have sex with you, knowing that you guys are super compatible in that way to try to reinforce the control and the manipulation that, hey, I like to sleep with you. I like to fuck you so I don't even know why you bother with these other girls. And when you know you're never going to get what you want and you're never going to get a wife, I'm the best you're going to get in every way. Not only in the bedroom, on the grubbles, but in what you are seeking for in a partner. And it makes me so goddamn mad that Ann Lister believed that even for a time that Mariana was right. Right. So Sorry. imagine. No, no, no. So imagine you thinking that you cannot subject yourself to this hell on earth anymore. Like you just you just cannot. But to me, I see Anne as jaunting, you know, to live in a Shomia alone, like in Iceland, at the worst <laughs> case scenario. And maybe I'm projecting because I see a lot of my, like my tendencies with Anne Lister's tendencies. But I feel like that's what I would do if I was ever like, oh, okay, it's too much, and I was deciding to fuck off. It wouldn't be in Iceland. It would probably be on some Caribbean island. But I'd be like, I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna build a Shomia for one. And this is where I'm gonna be, just doing me. Of write, writing things or building things. I'm just going to be over there. Like what Ann Lister was like at the end of uh, 32, where she was like, well, you know, <laughs> I'm alone. I'm <laughs> single. It's fucking fine. You know what? I'm just going to get my books and my tools and shit. I'm just go over here and live a happy fucking life. And it's fucking fine. It's fine. It's fine. Because that would be the way that I would choose to deal with it. Although, in truth, I don't think that I'm a person that deals well with extended solitude because I'm, I work off other people's energy like I definitely need my solitude in moments but other times right. that I need other people around me no that totally I resonate with all of that I had a friend who like a year ago he rode his bike from essentially New York to California and like run those trips and he was partly doing it to just like do it but also like you know self-exploration that whole thing and one thing he learned while he was on that trip was that he doesn't like to be alone because for the first half of the trip he was mostly backpacking by himself and just like, you know, stopping places, what have you, and just found himself confronted with this intense loneliness and things he was feeling and things he learned about himself and had more fun on the second half of the trip where he would like link up with other people who were also like on the trail or like biking through the country to be like, oh, let's let us check up, you know, the two of us or the three of us together and maybe we'll have a conversation, maybe we'll have a beer or something together. And that was more rewarding for him than the first leg where he was finding himself depressed and feeling away and he was like wait this is not why I went on this trip to feel depressed I went on here to feel freedom and exploration and so I think I'm like that where I definitely want my moments where I'm like get the fuck away from me could you please give me my space but then I have other moments where I just like you know I like to be around people and feel that whole thing no 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 like I said I totally it resonates with me because yes there are days when I'm on when there are people around then there are days I'm off and I'm like I can't be around any of you people but then there are days when I am on by myself and I'm like, oh, this is great. But then there are days where I'm off and I'm like, why is it so quiet? <laughs> is that my own breath that I'm listening to? God, I'm boring. I need someone else to bounce ideas off of. So, yeah, I right. get all that. But kudos to uh, Sally again. So that's so this kind of speaks towards the creative process saying, well, this is why we can't contribute this, uh, this you know, affliction to Ann Lister. 
mm-hmm. for these reasons. So, yes, she may be the one to just be like, I'm too jaunty to be this depressed. And then she just goes somewhere else with with whatever she's feeling, her energy. Right. I just need to shake up my environment. Right, this, I think that's how she deals, where she's like, here. oh, it's too head over here. There's too many reminders. Switching my environment entirely. Right. Because if I switch everything else around me, maybe my mentals will switch as well. Right. I get that. I get that, John. I do. And well. so luckily, um, uh, I guess we can say that she gave it to one of the stronger uh, characters that could actually, you know, endure this feeling like i'm sure that um as we all would hope that her uh that her love and her thirst would rise beyond the desire for her to want to actually cause her mortal uh physical harm Mm. where it's just like she's probably just looking to feel something feel anything and oh yeah that's um, too far that's a that's another way to look at it i have seen people theorize and meditate on like oh what what could have been the motivation for this and with people who were feeling negatively about it it's because they felt like perhaps sally was making ann walker's mental health issue completely about ann lister and thus leave ann lister's in her life this is why ann lister's not in her life this is why she's doing this which i can see how some people could see it that way but i i don't see it like i don't that. see it that way i think that I mean, from the minute Ann Lister meets Ann Walker, we can see the fundamental difference in how she deals with her. That she is positive, she's optimistic, and her treatment for Ann Walker's ailment, besides Rebels, is empathy and kindness and love and patience. And this is, I think that it's more so about the removal of that buffer for too long that she succumbs in this fictional reality to the darkness that surrounds her and the complete obtuseness of her sister. And by that, I mean, she's not obtuse enough to not know that her sister's unhappy. She knows. She knows. But she's too obtuse to realize this bitch was in Adolfo's. This bitch is in Scotland because she was doing really badly. You read Anne Lister's letter and you understood this shit was serious. And now you're here making dinner dates with loser men as if she wasn't in a a fragile state, a precarious state. According to Anne Lister, she didn't even see a doctor in Edinburgh. So what are we doing, Elizabeth? But Elizabeth is trapped her damn self so you know and she'll know what the fuck she'll know how to give right proper uh proper advice proper care as a sister so but we can only hope that seeing what she does at the end of the episode forces her to reconsider how she's dealing with ann walker do you have any predictions in that thing i mean i'm trying to speak musical abstractly what I touch the fire and it freezes I, me. I, I mean, you said predictions, and I'm shooting. For, yeah, I'm a, shooting for space musical. I okay. want. I want delusions. I Can want you? delirious visions of her Lord. personifying her strength to herself. Maybe oh, her standing up to her cute. relatives. In that haze, mm, mm-hmm. like I, I guess the final boss could be the colonel, and then Ainsworth, and then once she could like beat Ainsworth, okay. She could first wake of all, up. first of all, excuse me, um, Elizabeth's husband is not a fucking colonel; he's a captain. I just had to dial oh, that yeah. back a little captain. bit, just dial it back, captain. A couple awards and nominations, and uh... how you got your own wife calling you the captain? See, like I said earlier, we already right. I. That shit is for the bedroom when you're doing games, when you're playing roles. You know what I'm saying? It's not just for life. It's not for life. Oh, call me captain. <laughs> no. But again, I have problems and I have an inherent bias, so I just can't understand that those levels of the head chomp. Like, I don't know what happens over there. I can't, con- I can't conceive of women using a rank and title 
to refer to their husband right. and lover. I don't know. Excuse I, I, me, I got my degree. You will you will address me as professor. Right. If you're not saying if you're not saying <laughs> Captain Dench, <laughs> I pledge my fealty. Whatever you say, Captain doesn't have to come out your mouth. But that's just me. That's just me. Uh, you guys don't have to listen to me at all. I'm ridiculous. At your no, service, but Captain I mean, Dench. Sorry, uh, I'm, still, okay. I'm still in my Judy Dench scenario. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. We'll sorry. obey your every command. But like, blame um, the bourbon. <laughs> I will obey. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm yes. just saying. So, um, uh, the I'm inclusion of the notion that, um, you know, the inclusion of the notion that, um, the story is not better for the inclusion of something that is so prevalent is laughable. So uh, again, it doesn't draw from it. Um, I still like the adaptation. And we're ultimately just going by the gaps that that are literally in history. Like, the, like there's just stuff that we're missing. And there's always going to be a degree of creative interpretation. Right. As happened, you know, all over the, the series where Sally and... Um, I always say by extension and trauma because they were closely together are drawing conclusions that aren't hard-lined conclusions that maybe you draw from the diaries, but you can infer. And it's their right to infer it as they please in their production. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think personally that how a person responds to the information of this um, self-harming attempt being non-factual has to do with a person's own perspective on themselves, on suicide, self-harming, and potentially how close they are to Ann Walker as a real life person for themselves. And then that will, cause you kind of always project yourself a little bit onto your answers and responses to things. And so that's what I would assume. And you know, um, everyone's opinion is valid. If you watched the series and you knew about real life Ann Walker, you found out after the fact and you're like, oh, she didn't do this, I'm angry. Then that is totally your right to be and feel. And I can certainly empathize. I've tried to look at it from several angles and it just, um, I don't know. It doesn't take anything away from the story from me whether it's the whole, this fictional telling or the all the real life stuff I've read about Ann Walker after the fact. That's very good to hear. And um and I'm sorry for those who really do feel like this is something what uh shoehorned in or, you know, um that doesn't seem like it's it'll serve their story at all because I mean, being a viewer of this uh content and me watching what everyone is going through and you know the pacing that I'm doing it in that this is like this episode and all of its ebbs and flows I wouldn't want to remove any aspect of of any of this because it all made me feel and in several directions at once yes yes I mean, it does. And it, it just brings up old things because yes. there are people I've known, you know, from high school on who unfortunately succumb to the dark things that uh, the universe can throw at you. And I mean, it's I feel like, you know, this subject is definitely one of those things to that's hard to talk about, which I'm sure we'll put like a trigger warning when our first line of our description and stuff like that. But it's, uh, I feel like it's one of those things that everyone knows exists and happens literally every day. But then it's also one of those things that people just don't fucking talk about. And so while it's triggering and horrible and things to see this happen to a character and person, real life person that we enjoy so much like Ann Walker, I do think that especially if handled carefully and with care, 
which it seems like the the crew, the cast and crew behind Gentleman Jack has had much care and concern for this story, then it can be a good thing because it fosters conversations. It fosters awareness of stuff. And um, I mean, the, the interview we did with Susan and Alexa from the Ann Walker Memorial Foundation falls back into this ultimately yes. is that we are trying to uh, foster this idea of community and helping people and support through empathy, through love, through patience, through kindness, what Ann Lister has shown to Ann Walker in like a global situation that hopefully somebody out there who saw it potentially who's maybe on the periphery of a queer person's life is like oh maybe I should be less of a dick maybe I should right. ask more questions maybe I should be more inquisitive maybe I should just leave that person off to themselves it's almost like their life is shitty enough without me adding to the shit yes exactly god I'm looking at all the notes I have for like after episode eight and like things after that. I'm just like, oh, this, is, this is pages and pages and pages. Candace, what are you doing? Well, content. <laughs> well, right. All right, fuck it. Um, so I can't find that blog post, but you know, I'm sure I'll find it for the nightcap. And God, with all the notes I have on the nightcap, friends, friends, and listeners, be kind. I mean, you, no, saw, no. you saw this was four parts. <laughs> If you're creeping, you might be like, what the Ross this cat is talking about? So, Why does she have so many things to say? I'm sorry. I mean, expect at least... Especially, you said you wanted everything. You're right. like, bring it all. Expect at least two parts. At least. Just I'm saying at least three. I gotta be perfectly honest. Okay, see, because I... what is required for the nightcap is like... We already do the script thing, and that takes a motherfucking hour. Oh, right. So let's the let's script do takes that an hour. Part. All it's well, it always is its own right, part at this right. point. So it's always like at least an hour, and then we have diary entries. But because there's two levels of the diary entries that I right. need to revisit, which is Mariana and Anne in the past, in years past, in the twenties. No, I'm saying before we get to the thirties, and then. Mariana and Anne in the present as it relates to the show so we can have the full scope of why Candace has so much energy for Mariana and opinions because it's there on the page. And then so you can see what I saw or you can read what I read and then be like, do you see what I see? Do you come to the same conclusions potentially about Mariana and what may have been happening in this dynamic and what might have been influencing Anne? And is this where we can infer that Sally decided to go with this version of Mariana based on what she too read in Anne's diaries about her interactions with her? So there's a lot to be said. And I'm sure there will be some singing of Celine Dion when we get to that love scene and um, <laughs> potentially the whole song. Guys, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, we've reached, <laughs> finally reached the end of the most difficult episode to review the whole freaking season. Um, do you remember what the previews were? I mean, you watched the first two minutes I mean, with Miss, the... Miss, a young Miss Sophie being like, oh, uh, a sister. Um, uh... Are you trying to get over a man? A woman? <laughs> right. That was interesting. And I know that we are now slowly uh, embarking away from the fire. That was why we brought that. Um, but we're going to um, dock into season eight. Episode eight? It's episode, episode eight. Yes. Episode eight. Do we know what it's what called? What it's? I want to say off the top of my head, are you still talking? But oh, I will double no. Check. That sounds right. Because it sounds like... Something an analyst would definitely say to someone <laughs> she is definitely not listening to who are trying Aww. to command her ear and attention when yes, she Yes, so yeah, it's Are You Still Talking? 
It's just because I know fan. when she says that line, oh, okay. and all I can do is just sit here and smile. Thank God, thank God. Look at okay. the shimmy you're doing. Just, it's worth a shimmy. I it's need, worth a shimmy. I need, yes, I need. I'm just going to say it's worth a shimmy. That's all I'm going to say. I need to not spoil you, right. even though I'm desperate to spoil episode eight. But you guys, I've just been waiting to scream to the hills about all of my thoughts for season two. And look at how long I've had to repress, repress these, these jaunty feelings. So I'm excited to just like, to, so that we can now talk about the series in totality, that you will be in the know of everything that I know and the rest of our listeners know, because for sure they've gone past your fucking ass. They're I like, we they are did. done waiting. Right. We've watched the whole thing seven times, you guys. So I just, yeah. So then we can have fun with all the memes and then and then have several discussions about all the possibilities that are possible for season two as it relates to the diaries and my many, many intense feelings about Ann and Ann and what people have said about them. That's all. I'm, I don't want to be too specific because I just don't want to be. But just things that people have said or been like, oh, is that? And I take issue with. And so I just want to break down some of what I feel like is being misinterpreted or just not fully looked at within like just like, you know, just like 360 view of what this could mean to bring hopefully some humanity and some empathy to some of these uh, situations. So, yeah, I'm... I'm just excited. I can spend way too much time talking about Ann and Ann. Can't you tell? Guys, I don't even, we should count the hours that we've accumulated because it's already like eight for no, episode I know. seven. I know. What the fuck, Terrence? I mean, this sometimes the content. I'm yelling at you like it's, my, it. like it's not my fault. It's the my content fault warns us sometimes. And you no, know what? I didn't expect so many things to be packed into the episode. Too so true. here we are at episode Kudos to eight. Sally Wainwright yet again. So this, right. It is a Sally episode. And we haven't had a Sally episode since like episode two, I want to say almost. What do you mean and by a Sally episode? Like a uh, Sally uh, producer. I feel like she's had different ladies stand in for her. So in the writing credits, um, Sally Wainwright is credited and Lister and Jill Liddington. I like that. So Sally has her hands on writing every single episode. And for direction, only women. It looks like a Sarah Harding directed two episodes and Jennifer Parrott directed two episodes with Sally directing four. Oof. If I'm able to see, let's see what Sarah directed. Don't let that be the one where Ainsworth was here. <laughs> Most yeah. women are dull and stupid would be one of the episodes that I feel like Sally may not have written. I feel like Sally was definitely, I was there to study anatomy. I feel like that's definitely got her like. I Was Just Passing was directed by Sally Wainwright. Yay. I Just Went There to Study Anatomy, you are correct, was also directed by Sally Yay. Wainwright. Episode uh, three, oh, is that what you call it, was directed by Sarah Harding. Oh, so she gets number Sarah four. Sarah Harding is... gives us annoying uh, Mrs. Priestley. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah Harding also directed episode four. Most women are dull and stupid. Oh, but she gives me the Elder Rawson. So as much as I hate you for Mrs. Priestley, I love you for Elder Mrs. Rawson. So. Jennifer Perrot or Perot, not sure how that's pronounced. She directs episode five. Let's have another look at your past. Perfect. Oh, no. See, she gave me um, <laughs> Moody, um, Mrs. Park Hill. So I, I, I hate you for, for Mrs. Park Hill. Episode six, Do Ladies Do That, was also directed by Jennifer Perot or Perot. Well, no, no. Okay, so I hate you even more because of uh, Mrs. Ainsworth, which was even worse than Ms. Park Hill. But 
you did give me a, a recovering and Walker and that that um that uh, that bookend of Anne Lister being there on the property watching her lady fair um, trot off in the carriage where the greedy family was trying to wet her off to a poor cousin. Um, I mean, the affection that you gave them, that 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 sensual goodbye, that that sad grubble that they had. All right, there are reasons why I can't stay mad at you, <laughs> so it's fine. It's okay. okay. Episode seven, why have you brought that, was directed by the OG, Sally Wainwright. See, and then, uh, like I said, there's so much that's in this episode. So, like, I feel like she more than likely would have done... She would... It seems like she, like most people who steer their ships and she wrote um, all the episodes, co-wrote it with Jill Liddington, that she would be like, I need the beginning and the end, mm. for sure. I yeah. need to set the tone for what's happening and how we're concluding. And then I can have these other talented bitches help me in, in between. And, I hope and so she directs that. the last two. She also directs episode eight, which I'm not at all surprised of. Are you still talking? So I hope that next season we see the same thing where it's like here, here women and they're writing. And I mean, they're here women and they're directing and they're going to direct an episode or two. I hope they do get the same, like, you get two episodes, you get two episodes. I just think how that's how it should be on productions ever since Ava DuVernay was like, oh, well, I'm going to find a way to hire all women for my show. And people were like, how could you do that? <laughs> and then she did it. And then the showrunner for Jessica Jones was like, That's, that seems like a good idea. Right, I'm going to try right. hiring all women. And so it continues. So as I hope. And then, right, like so the, Sally, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is doing it as well. And she's like, you know what? Phoebe doesn't even have to do it directly. She just left her vapors <laughs> right. of misandry on the Killing Eve set. And she's like, women, women, just keep switching up. Women. And so it's great because not only do you empower more women to have some sort of role and make money in the industry, like you also empower the, the perspective that isn't the male perspective, which is usually what we get all the goddamn time. I'm sorry, under this like, page for gentleman jack there's like an article that's like love scenes that went too far and there's a screenshot of gone girl and i'm like are they talking about when she slid that dude throat in the middle of coitus i thought that was yours is better uh, than mine look what i better. got first off all women but but look at them um this girl from what world is a bombshell now and then you see that um that doesn't Krista seem Rinna? like a right wait wait but look what it says tragic on-scene deaths that we have yet to recover from and it's like but God. what, what on-scene death is on-screen death is that for Krista Ritter I mean it, take your pick maybe oh, it's oh that's true <laughs> I don't know I do see Feruza Bulk right. shout out to anyone okay. who loves the craft. the craft right they say they're remaking it I say stop but whatever I'm just Let's forget it. Just well, you forget know, it. Let's move on. This so I don't get too jaunty. Gets Emily Dickinson. I guess they could get some girls that know magic. It doesn't have to be the craft. It could just be girls that know magic. How do those two things connect? I like mean, the, the the youth should get Emily Dickinson and a new version of the craft. Right. Just like jaunty bitches. I mean, they got charmed. At least two thirds of them sapphic who are also casting spells. Because I just sort of feel like if someone's going to be in high school having the most energy for people who are doing negative things, it's going to be the queers. Who are going to be like, you know what? I'm going to cast this damn spell. I'm just going to cast it. Right. <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> right. And deal with the consequences later. Later. So do you remember, because I feel like I asked that, but then we didn't go anywhere with it, because we got off on a side thing about the previews for next week where, you know, there was a few lines that stuck out like, you know, where are the deeds to Shibden? <laughs> I need to borrow some money. <laughs> you idiot. Said by Captain Lister. You're like, no, don't say that. Don't call Ann Lister an idiot. Wait, Captain Lister said he needed to borrow some money? Anne says I need to borrow some money. Um, ah, 
it's Jeremy who says that Anne is acting like an idiota. Okay. Where you're like, don't say that in general, but definitely not about Anne Lister. And we hear the other line, you're on the run from a broken heart. Royalty. There's Yes. There's a dip. And screaming into the void. So yeah, uh, predictions, thoughts, what have you. Oh, Since like I this said. This is where we are. Fever dream. I already said it. Fever uh, dream? What's that mean? The, the musical is what I first said. I'm so sick of you. I and said then... real life predictions. You know it's no damn musical next episode. <laughs> Outside of you and Walker, making it a musical, it won't exist. And Walker will have to face her inner demons and beat them uh, to get a hold of her agency. She's strong. My heart is hurting beyond words. Fuck you. I wasn't even, that wasn't even (laughs) on my mind. I just, you keep saying musical and well, that's what happens. What about, and in Denmark, Copenhagen, what's going to go down over there? Well, what about this Sophie that she's riding around in? something? The one that's um, got uh, ties to the courts? Veer's sister, her half sister. Right. Who has, um. But she, she has, has ties like, to the court through her odd little husband, according to V. Right. So I don't know if it's going to be Alistair shading the husband. I don't know if it's going to be Anne. <laughs> Sorry, no, I just remembered something, a very specific scene from the episode that made me laugh. Or, or maybe we could even get, um, you know, her sister noticing that Anne's not her um, as jaunty as to, to be believed, maybe. Like she can notice that there's a, a miss of a pep in the jaunt, and then she could. Um, I don't know, encourage or inspire Anne to, you know, speak a portion or a version of her true feelings. And then she does one of those go get her, you know, uh, John Hughes 80s movies where, you know, run through the airport, (laughs) but not an airport. Like, you know, I mean, it's a long way. So you're looking for one of those scenes? I'm looking for something where, yeah, we are closing the gap between (laughs) Copenhagen and... Uh, God and Scotland, and Scotland. yes. Mm, so I don't mm. care if it's by sea. I mean, sea seems like the most Bitch, appropriate. That's the only right? way it's by. <laughs> right, it's by sea. Right, that's what or I said. Force. Right, <laughs> I right. love when you're like, I don't care if it's by sea, and then that's it. Full right. stop. Right, end and of the telegram. When I over. thought of the map, I was like, well, that seems the most. <laughs> like, well, that seems the most uh, appropriate. That's that's what's happening right. now in um, 1833. I mean, that's... but that's that's what I want. I want right. So you want grand epic romance. Do I hear that correctly? Right. Where even if if it's like waking you up out of your, like, let's say she doesn't wake up until, you know, and Mm. it's like, until I gets there. And it's like, well, what happened to the great physician? Uh, where, the, damn where the damn physician, the right. ladies' physician, right. the ladies' physician. Where, where, where are the accounts? Somewhere because committing When you assault, have probably. a doctor, he keeps a file. For as long as it's been, what and year is it, care. bitch? What know, year is it? You out here talking about files and accountability? I know. Where? In what timeline? Not this timeline. Accountability for how people are treating women? I just, I don't know. I don't think that's real. It's not happening. Mm. I mean, sure, files, but no, none of the files are good. They're bad files. Like when someone is just saying some fucking incorrect, horrible shit in their files, the files then become pointless because you're like, what are these files? <laughs> these are misogyny files, and I'm going to ban them. Like Ann Walker burned the purse. Like elder Sorry. analysts are gonna uh, telegram where it's like, I know this seems really backwards, but I need you to uh, write a note to uh, and sister just to say that um, uh, I will be coming to check in on them. And then I thought to write, but I didn't have the time to write. But that I want you to write that on my behalf so that that note could possibly arrive the same time that I do, or maybe a day before. 
<laughs> where it's almost like how Ainsworth got that uh, letter where oh, it was like, Lord. in my name, like I'll be reading all the correspondence Shoot from his bitches well. in my then, name. Right. And then he was like, well, maybe I shouldn't, uh, you know, you don't have to send any notes over there. I think I, I may have overstepped my welcome. And then all of a sudden, Oh, there's a Miss List at the door. Oh, well, I, maybe I should just go into my room. No, 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 send her in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But yes. Okay. Well, I like a lot of your predictions. Of course, I can't say shit because it's season finale and I'm not trying to say anything one way or the other. So I'm just here trying to be restrained about what happens in episode eight. But it'll it'll be something. It will be something. But before we get there, guys, we have a... Something doleful. An Iliad. No, we, I don't know that the Mariana stuff will be as doleful because it, like, the Ann Walker stuff, while upsetting, as we've already talked about, isn't as intense as what happens in the show. And so it's more so about, like, the, the, the ridiculous of this queer relationship that carried on for years and years and years and has many levels to it. And so it's just going to be, I think, interesting, infuriating, hilarious. And all the stuff, just like the emotional gamut that Anne went through with Mariana, we will go through. So Dolphins will be a part of it in a moment, because how can we not when we go into Scarborough and Blackstone Edge? But then other parts will be not as horrible, hopefully. Hopefully. So I guess that brings us to the official end of this motherfucking recap. Uh, we'd like to Did you make thank it through? you so much. Right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to all these gonna, hours. This is what I was going to say, right. The hell is wrong with y'all? Yeah. Are you maddish? No. <laughs> But seriously, are you? Are you? We just really, 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 really love Gentleman Jack and Ann Lester. Like we do. But yeah, seriously, thanks for making it through this marathon recap that we've done. And of course, as always, you can send us in messages and DMs and all the stuff on all the things. Anyone can contact us if you just want to reach out, say something, ask something, whatever. We're always there. To yeah, say you hello. Guys know. I mean, by now, definitely Gentleman Jack Crack. That's our Gmail. That's our. Insta. Oh my God. I just don't remember what I was going to uh, mention. My mom giving me that hoodie that I told you about, you guys. It was so ridiculous because my mom was on a trip not too long ago with her friends, jaunting across Southern Europe. And among the places she stopped was Italy. And so when I saw her for Turkey Day, she was like, oh, I have this thing for you. And it was a hoodie that said like Pompeii and Vesuvio. And she got it for a sentimental reason because my first like business idea that I tried to start when I was like 17 out of the entrepreneurship club and all that stuff had the name of Mount Vesuvius in there. And so it was like a callback to that. But she was like, you know where I got this in Italy? It was in ne, ne, ne. And I was like, Naples? And she was like, yeah, Napoli. And the amount of laughter I let out was, it was not right. It was not of this world. And my sister was just like, what is up with you? And I'm like, sorry, it's an inside joke for Naples. Right. And I am just here experiencing it by myself and losing my shit sorry sorry and then uh, unless you know she's caught up and she's listening right now in that case you know terrence you know how long it's gonna take my mom to catch up (laughs) she is like she has such a schedule i still can't uh, my mom is one of those people that she wakes up at four in the morning to then go to the gym and so she starts her day hella hella early which means she's she ended at a decent hour and so she has her blocks of stuff and so i think it will take her quite some time right. and thank it's, goodness right there's so, a lot of junk this, time, <laughs> right. this podcast this time next year oh so last year when i gone to italy you were this is why you were oh okay oh this is why you were, why you were laughing I, uncontrollably i, I get right. it right <laughs> exactly yep so you know you know <laughs> so i just wanted to share that because if anyone else is going to get that goddamn inside joke besides terrence it's you guys 
So laugh with me at my mother and her visit to Naples. <laughs> <laughs> Which she also casually mentioned she ran into Angelina Jolie. And I was like, who and the fuck? I, I said, wait. I said, you've been back from Italy for like two weeks. And then she, I wasn't sure that she was being honest. And then she was like, look at this video on my phone. And sure enough, it was Angelina Jolie and her, and her fucking children, her brood. And I was like, wow. So this was like, you know that I've been. So you just casually, you, you forgot to mention that? You were in a museum. And you ran into Angelina Jolie and you were just like, okay, whatever. It's a regular day. But okay, well, side note. <laughs> that also happened on my mom's trip. Some people have all the fun. See, I was thinking about a different podcast again. Because <laughs> you know what? Fun in a museum in Naples. Are you talking about goddamn Killing Eve? Right. You know what it is? And I'm sure the I'm listeners gonna... will be happy to hear this. Who We have crossovers between Gentleman Jack and Killing Eve. And they have been waiting. They have. It's true. And blame Gentleman Jack because we've been so preoccupied and with life and things and things. But I can see that you are inching back towards where you need to be to completely go in. I mean, I'm I, killing you. I mean, I kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of think about it a little yeah. bit. You know, so. Yeah, it's around that time. You know, in December now, we're close. So at least there'll be other stuff to like keep us feeling, you know, extra jaunty in between this epic long wait to season two of Gentleman Jack. My God, some of y'all are gonna have children, be married, whole new life changes by the time the fucking show come back. There might be a Shomeritude popped up somewhere. <laughs> Listen, just someone give me some land and I will build you a Shomer. I just want to do it. Just just say a place where I can get it done and I will I will get it done. So once you figure out that place, be sure to hit us up on all of our social media. I, I, I'll bring my own tools. <laughs> my own tools. <laughs> oh, gosh. One word, gentlemen, Jack Crack. That is our facebook that is our gmail that is our instagram um gentlemen crack on twitter because they don't like our name to have too many characters which is so odd and there's a tumblr which i will be able to play with as soon as i finish episode eight so i'm a little scared but excited because then i get to look at all the memes and jokes and Mm-hmm. Finally, you get to be inside right. the the shits versus outside, outside the club. Trying to get in. <laughs> I'm trying to get in for like three months. It's right. true. Well, I can say to definitely uh, to take a look at some of our merch, uh, look at some stuff, love some stuff, buy some stuff. If you buy from the Gone Fearlessly collection, yes, you'll be sending these. proceeds directly to, to the, the Ann Walker, Walker Memorial, Memorial Foundation. Foundation. Contribute to the vapors. Of mental health. (laughs) And in that vein, we also wanted to mention the organizations that we mentioned at the end of the Ann Walker Memorial Foundation interview that we did with Alexa and Susan. Just to say that, you know, a lot of these topics are very heavy that we've been talking about, particularly the one of self-harm and suicide as it pertains to Ann Walker. And just want to let you listeners know if there's anyone potentially dealing with thoughts like this, suffering alone, and is looking for... A place where you can find some support and some understanding. There are a few great organizations out there that can help with that. In the United States, we have the Trevor Project, which you may or may not have heard of, but they're a great organization and they can be reached at 1-866-488-7386. That's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
Or you could even text them at 678-678, and it's confidential texting to get in contact with a Trevor counselor if there's something you need to talk about or get off your chest or just have someone spend some time with you. We also want to plug the Trans Lifeline. The Trans Lifeline. And their number is one 565 or you can visit translifeline.org. We were not able to find a bunch of things in the UK per se. And I believe as we mentioned, I think we did, after the interview, that if you're aware of an organization that is doing important work that we should know about, that we can reference for this listening audience, please hit us up and let us know. But we definitely want to give a shout out to giveusashout.org, which is evidently the UK's first 24-7 tech service um, that's free on all major mobile networks for anyone in crisis at any time and anywhere. It's a place where you can go if you're struggling to cope and you need immediate help. You can text them at 85258. No talking needed. And we also discovered a group, Pink Therapy, that you can find at pinktherapy.com. And you can go there to find a therapist of any gender identity or sexual identity if that is something that matters to you and you are looking for resources. As always, guys, you know that we love and thank you so very much for inviting us into your your listening space, your safe space, your commute, um, half speed, tw- double speed. However, you're listening. We oh yeah, we <laughs> right now we have heard some uh, some half speed and some double speed. I'm like, wow, superheroes in the queer in the queer community. I know it. Also, we sort of mentioned this on Instagram. We have gone through however many recordings and completely forgot to mention the giveaway that we said we were doing because we said then. We say it every time we try to do something like this, like, guys, we fucking suck at doing stuff like this. We really, really, really do. We're sorry if one of you out there was like, hey, they said they were going to tell us stuff about the giveaway and nothing ever appeared. We're sorry because you're right up until this past week. Yeah, I guess you can run through what we had said for the giveaway again. And that we're extending it essentially through to Christmas. Yeah, so all you have to do to enter if you did not already get a chance. And multiple entries are allowed in this. Um, is ultimately just rating and reviewing um, wherever you get your uh, listing service. So mm-hmm. um, that's us checking on whether it's Apple Podcast, whether it's uh, ultimately off the top of my head, I can strongly just think of Apple Podcasts as a place to actually leave. I've seen things like, I feel like you can leave reviews on Spreaker and Stitcher. I'm not sure about Spotify, to be frank, but I know some of the other platforms like Radio Public or, I don't know, just wherever, or perhaps a social media thing. If you're not able to get to one of those resources, we know some people do download directly from the website versus streaming. So maybe then we can incorporate Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, if you rate us, um, we'll hunt it down and add it into the... the What do we call this thing? It's like a thing where you put a bunch of things in. It's like a raffle. That's the word I was guest looking for. We also have a wheel. I want to spin it. Let me see if they can hear it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. That's our Wheel of Fortune wheel. Our Patreon subscribers know all about that. And we, when we spin it to be like prizes, prizes for everyone. But yeah, so yeah, just like let us give some stuff away. Also visit the Instagram if you want to see some peeks into the merch that we have been ordering ourselves. Partly because we need everything that we designed, but also because we want to make sure that the quality is up to snuff before we fully recommend for everyone to just go ham and getting stuff but we did get our first go on fearlessly stuff 
yeah. and some Listorian things, and their quality was fantastic. So those things are a go. But yeah, check out the Insta if you're not already following us. If you would like to see any more pictures and updates on that. If you're already following us, you probably saw that one random night last week when we were recording part three of Mariana, where you were probably like, they never put anything on Insta, and there's like 17 stories. Yeah, sometimes that'll happen. <laughs> because we're just in the studio being ridiculous. Like, here, we'll look at that. Oh, let's do that. Oh, look, what's going on over here, guys? So that's sometimes that happens. I haven't actually saved any to highlights, but I will look for the ones relevant to like stuff um, about this giveaway and merch and things and either save it in the highlights or put it on IGTV. <laughs> All right. Until next time, everyone. Cue the jaunty music. And Captain Dench, Captain Dench, I'm in Brooklyn. Just saying, just want to put that out there. <laughs> <Diesel> <laughs> <a bit>. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Regency-era lesbians. Oh, my God.